0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, bringing you this week's episode of Pat Novak for Hire. Got any comments? Email me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Please cast your vote on Podcast Alley. Thank you for all the support this month. And if you haven't voted already, please do so. Uh, We encourage you to vote once a month over at Podcast Alley, uh, podcastalley.greatdetectives.net. and always remember our survey, survey.greatdetectives.net, if you've not uh, filled it out. i uh, got a comment here um, from Pinkertonic on Podcast Alley. Having a new detective every day keeps the attention on this podcast. The commentary before and after by the host gives perspective on what was going on in the world at the time of the recording. Adams gives tidbits on the actors and actresses and really helps the st- Helps the story be more fun. If you like awesome stories with really great commentary, then this is the podcast for you. And Pat Novak is the best. Um, and uh, another one, actually, uh, says, "Love the show. One of my favorites, especially because of the frequency of, of play for Pat Novak for Hire. One of my favorite old-time radio shows." Pete Kelly's Blues would be a great addition, but because the formula of the two shows are so similar, right down to Tudor Owen as Jack Webb's uh, uh, down rum-soaked sidekick, castigating the hero before he ups out, it might be a little redundant, but redundant ain't always bad. Well, it's not always bad, but uh, we want to save some of these, because uh, you know, once we run out of a show, then we move on to the next one. So you'll get um, yeah we've got uh, we've got se- uh, six more weeks counting this week of Pat Novak and we will end up doing Pete Kelly's Blues. Um, it's a-, a little bit later down the line, uh, but keep listening and thanks so much uh, for everybody listening to the show. Uh, we're going to get into today's episode of Pat Novak, the geranium plant, uh, in just a moment. But before we do, I want to encourage you as you make your travel plans for the new year, remember, uh, Johnny Dollar Air. JohnnyDollarAir.com is Priceline.com, which I will go ahead in addition to supporting Great Old Time Radio, you're also helping to support, uh, William Shatner, if that helps. Uh, but, uh, more than that, you're gonna get some great deals on airlines, uh, hotel, hotel tickets, uh, cruises, rental cars, Check out JohnnyDollarAir.com for all your travel needs in 2010. Uh, but without any further ado, it's time for the geranium plant. <laughs>
2: So the sign out in front of my office says, "Pat Novak for hire." Oh, there are a lot of ways to put it, but it's easier if you let your slip show right from the beginning. Because down on the waterfront in San Francisco, you got to do a lot of things to make a living. Otherwise, it's like being a CPA in a charity ward. I rent boats and do anything else that'll keep a bum lawyer in beer and broadcloth. Works out all right. You make a few bucks. You don't forget there are only two questions you can ask anybody down here. When and how much. Even then you gotta watch out, unless you like your trouble without a chaser. I found that out Monday night. I closed shop and I walked down the street to Noonan's bar. Well, it really isn't a bar. Just a couple of stools with a bottle opener and a jukebox full of Irish tenors, but it's good enough to give you a shove down the road. Must have been about eleven. I was sitting at one end of the place by myself sorting out mistakes and spending a half dollar on the bar, so... I don't know when she came in, but she came in. I remember that.
3: Does it always come up, heads?
2: If you're lucky, who are you?
3: If you're that lucky, you'd have dollar bills to do it with.
2: Look, I'm low on chatter. Why don't you go down the counter and talk to the racy set, huh?
3: I'd rather buy you a drink.
2: Noonan's a social clamor. He's going to throw you out.
3: You buy me one, then.
2: And I'm broke to strangers. Now that winds up the conversation. See you later.
3: We'll talk thirsty then. I went to your office, but they said you were over here. I want to hire you, Mr. Novak.
2: You got a name to go with a figure?
3: It won't fit in your file. I want you for three hours' work tomorrow afternoon. Can you do it?
2: I said yes. It might be too tough.
3: There's a flower stand at the corner of Post and Kearney. I want you to go to that stand tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock. Pick up a geranium plant to this address.
2: I'm too big for a Western Union boy.
3: Are you too big for $50?
2: No. Must be a pretty geranium at those prices.
3: Some people love nature, Mr. Milfack. Do you care?
2: No, I know a guy who likes parrots.
3: You go to the stand and tell them you want the plant. Take it straight to the address I gave you. It's important. Don't let it out of your hands.
2: For 50 bucks, I'll act like we're married.
3: Mm, i better give you the money now.
2: Well, you're eager. Suppose I don't deliver.
3: I found you tonight. I can do it again.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, where do I get in touch with you?
3: You don't. Mr. Novak, this is the last time over the course. So take a good look now.
2: Yeah, I'm away past midnight already. Suppose something goes wrong tomorrow.
3: Then it's very simple, Mr. Novak. You won't have to send for flowers. Good night. <laughs>
2: watched her as she turned and walked out the door. She was wearing a flowered print dress and as she walked, the roses kept getting mixed up with the daisies. She walked with a nice, friendly movement, like the trapdoor on a gallows. As she reached the door, she turned and smiled once, as if she knew the 50 bucks was just for laughs. I scooped up the dough before anybody could see it, because at noons, everybody gets broke in one motion. I left a few minutes later and I went home to bed. I dream real good on 50 bucks, so... I felt good the next afternoon when I got to the corner of Post and Kearney. The flower stand was there, all right, and I leaned against the storefront to watch the guy for a while. Maybe I should have known then, because right away I got the idea he didn't know what he was doing. But you can say that for a lot of senators. So I let it ride. When the jewelry store clock across the street said 2 o'clock, I walked up to him. Can I do something for you? Yeah, give me a geranium plant. What kind do you want? Big one, small one, I don't care It's two o'clock, I'll take that kind You want the geranium? Look, it's gonna get dark, you got that long to argue? Here's the one you want, then if you say so, you wanna wrap it? No, it's alright, you carry it that way Well, I'm gonna look real funny walking around with a handful of geranium
4: Why do you want one, then? Well,
2: uh-huh. I see, you don't feel like talking about it
4: No, just take it and be happy Yeah, how much? Nothing, doesn't cost a thing
2: Suit yourself, you won't make much dough that way
4: I'll make even less talking to you just Take the plant and be careful. No, oh? How do you know what I'm going to do with the geranium? I don't, mister. Some people eat them. Just be careful and goodbye.
2: Well, the way things were going, Post Street began to look like the main drag in Casablanca. I watched the guy fumble around with a customer for a minute, and then I crossed the street and started up toward Union Square. The cop gave me a kind of a funny look when he saw the geranium. He smiled as if he thought I had a pair of dancing sandals in my coat pocket. About halfway up the block, I stopped to look in an art store. Right then, I noticed the guy with a cane for the first time. He was standing near me, looking in the other window. He was a little guy and kind of wrinkled and bumpy. His skin looked like a cucumber full of powder. I started up the street and pulled in at a bookstore. He stopped, too, and I knew he was following me. When I got to Stockton, I turned left and walked toward Geary Street. Halfway down is a little street called Maiden Lane... Oh, it sounds gentle, but so does Vesuvius when you say it fast. I just started to cross when a black Nash pulled away from the curb. Some dead relative must have put in a good word for me.
0: Hey, over here! Hey, pull him over! Hey, over here!
2: You all right, mister? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll do, I guess. You're lucky you're not dead. Yeah, we're all that way. Give me a hand, will you? Oh, Thanks.
5: That car came out of there and hit you on purpose. You're lucky you're not dead.
2: All right. I owe the house a free roll.
5: This lady here took down the license number you wanted.
2: Yeah, thanks.
5: You sure you're all
2: right? Yeah, yeah I'm a slow bleeder. I dropped a plant somewhere around here.
5: Uh, this it? Uh, this red thing?
2: Yeah, that's it. Thanks.
5: Didn't even hurt
2: the plant.
5: That's something. You know, when I saw that car come out of there and hit you... You know what I thought about you?
2: That fellow's lucky he's not dead.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Hmm. Well, I looked around, but the little guy with the cane had disappeared. As I crossed Union Square, I kept looking around, but he was gone. Well, I tried to forget about it, but I couldn't get it out of my mind. Kept coming back and showing up again like a bad reputation. Why had the guy started to follow me and then stopped so suddenly? And how about that guy in the car and that $50 geranium? Well, I got a cab over at the St. Francis stand and I rode out to the address that the girl gave me. On the way, I looked at the flower. From what I could see, it was just a geranium planted in a little wooden box. Like all the rest of them, it bloomed unevenly with buds that looked too nervous to come out, like a debutante with thick ankles. When the cab pulled up at the address. It was a rooming house out on Clay Street. The note I had said third floor rear, so I went up there and knocked. There was no answer, so I went in expecting to find anything. Anything but what I did find. Hello?
6: Go away. Go away and leave me alone.
2: She closed her eyes and stopped talking. She was so sick it showed like a searchlight in a cave. Her complexion was pasty and the color of a November sky. She had no expression on her face, just thin lips drawn so tightly the rims were white. She wasn't ready to quit yet, but you could tell she'd been papering the house for years. And you wouldn't want to bet on her. She was going to last about as long as a warm snowflake, it was easy to tell. (coughs) You got a bad cough, you need some sun.
6: I need more than that. (coughs)
2: <coughs> yeah, I guess you do. Who are you? Relax, I'm not the welcome angel. I just brought you some flowers.
6: Is it a joke, for somebody?
2: I don't know, lady. With me, it's a fifty dollar hustle. They're your flowers, so you work out the right answer.
6: Go away. Go away, please.
2: You want the flowers?
6: You brought them for me, didn't you? Leave them and go away. <coughs>
2: Just a geranium. I'm going to leave it on the table.
6: Why'd they send you?
2: My reason was 50 bucks. Did
6: you come to hurt me?
2: I don't know. Do you rate it? Oh,
6: I'm too tired. You couldn't really hurt me, could you? <coughs> <coughs> Thank you for coming. Thank you for your kindness.
2: Sure, if that's what it is, you're welcome. That's all she said, and that's all that happened in that little room up on Clay Street. Wasn't much, and it wasn't enough to worry you, but for some reason I felt like a man in quicksand complaining about his height. When I left there, I took a car down to Market Street, and I had dinner. Well, it didn't go right, because I kept thinking about this afternoon and last night. Who did she mean by they, and where did all these people fit together? The guy with the cane, the gal that gave me the 50 bucks and the little chair about a maiden lane. Well, I tried to forget about it, but it wasn't easy. It was like trying to change a typewriter ribbon with mittens on. After dinner, I went home. It was about 8 o'clock, and when I got in the apartment, it was dark. Before I had a chance to put on the light, I knew somebody was in the bedroom. I walked over to the door. In the dim light, it looked like a walrus in pants, but it turned out to be Inspector Hellman from Homicide.
5: Hello, Novak. I just dropped in for a chat.
2: Do you always chat with your hand in the bureau drawer?
5: It's restful. I've been looking over your stuff.
2: Is this a social call or are you out stealing? Where you been, Novak? What do you care, Hellman?
5: All right, I'll tell you where I've been. In a third floor room out in Clay Street. I left one this afternoon. It's the same one. Your fingerprints are all over the joint. I'll bet you
2: checked everywhere. What were you doing out there? Delivering flowers. Is that your best try, Novak? It's the best I'm going to do for you. If you don't like it, check with a woman out there. I brought her flowers and left. What woman? The one on the couch. A black-haired girl with a half-dead look.
5: You're wrong twice. Huh? There's no girl out there... Unless he's tattooed on the guy's chest. And that guy doesn't have a half-dead look. It's better than that. All the way. That's right. He's dead enough to pray for. Will that do?
2: Hellman's sleeve's so full of fat, I didn't expect anything else up there. He flipped on the light, and I could see he was real pleased with himself. He was smiling like a guy who's just found his partner bidding no trump with 13 spades. He sat down on the bed and unbuttoned his coat. Part of his stomach oozed out and hung over his belt like a 1910 lampshade. He lit a cigarette and then he began to run his tongue over a set of teeth that looked more like old mandolin picks than teeth. He blew smoke and looked about as appetizing as a piece of squid pie.
5: Must have been a short argument, Novak. The coroner says the guy checked
2: out in a hurry. What else does the coroner say?
5: That it was good poison. You buy only the best,
2: Novak. Don't stub your toe, Hellman. I went up there to deliver a geranium plant.
5: So far, you got a good case. The guy was poisoned with a spring needle, hidden in that geranium box. Who was he? He didn't say, and there wasn't any identification. Do you want to help? I don't know, Hellman.
2: When I was there, we were doing Camille. Some ghost woman was dying on the couch by inches. It was her room. You better check.
5: We did. The room was rented ten days ago by a man named George Langley. The landlady says there's never been a woman in the room.
2: That's what all landladies say. Wake up, Hellman. I stood there and watched her shake like a dust mop for ten minutes. You can follow up on her and then check that flora stand at Kearney and Post. What do I check for? Bull weevils? He's the guy that gave me that geranium plant.
5: We'll check. And I want you down at headquarters by midnight tonight, Novak. You can talk to yourself till then. After that, you talk to us.
2: I'll make it up from here on, Hellman. You don't like it the other way.
5: Suit yourself, Novak. You know when you're due. In the meantime, we'll find out what we can. I can't wait that
2: long, Hellman. You couldn't find a tractor on the back porch. I'd hang if I waited for your boys.
5: That's what you're going to do. And at midnight, you can dangle as high as one. want.
2: I don't mind as long as my feet are on the same level as your head. When Hellman left, I sat down to try to piece things together. I knew everything was there. If I could just shove it into place, it was like trying to swap an egg beater for a mixmaster. I was pretty sure there was something about the geranium plant I should remember. One little thing that threw everything else out of focus. Well, I finally gave up. I was fifty bucks ahead and one murder wrapped behind. It depends on how you like your fun. Fifty bucks is all right, but the pleasure's limited. Like giving somebody a hot foot in an ammunition dump. If I was gonna drag the town, I needed help. So I looked up the only honest guy I know an ex doctor and a boozer by the name of Jocko Madigan. Oh, he's all right for a guy who thinks people with steady hands are lazy. I finally found him in a little tinsel joint on Mason Street. It was high class for the neighborhood. The smoke was only a week old and they had a cigarette girl. A long, leggy biscuit that wandered around trying to sell a sour smile at sweet prices. Jocko was down at the end of the bar rolling some olives back and forth. The rhythm was fine.
7: Ah, Patsy! You're just in time to help me off the wagon. A stout glass for Mr. Novak. No, I want to talk to you, Jocko. Oh, Patsy, confidentially, I hate martinis. I just drink them for the vitamins. Everybody should have a few vegetables, and I have chosen olives. Look, I'm
2: in trouble, Jocko. Will you sober up and talk?
7: I could do that easily. I've done it two or three times, and it's no trick at all. But I refuse, because it's a vulgar display of willpower. Will you stop, Jocko? You know, Patsy, there are only two things that could cause my downfall. Whiskey or women. I'm not particular. You find a nice old widow and I'll quit this thing. All right, all right. Some uh, plump old party with a memory as vivid as my own. Preferably somebody rich enough to convince me the lines in her face weren't put there by worry. Well, stop it, will you? Patsy, I'll allow you to motivate my dissent. But I will not permit you to bring it to a halt. Uh, I, I apologize for interrupting. Go ahead. What do you know about Flowers. Oh, I think they're pretty on a woman's shoulder, but uh, I suppose that's mixed devotion. Why?
2: Well, I'm going to need your help, Jocko. There's a dead guy out on Clay Street and Hellman's campaigning for me.
7: How do the flowers fit in?
2: A geranium plant. The guy was pouring with a needle in the box. I took the plant up there to a woman. What oh,
7: a clumsy approach. Why a geranium plant?
2: It's a mixed-up story. I got hired in Noonan's Bar to pick it up this afternoon at Post and Kearney. I got gumshoot all the way up Post Street and hit by a car at Maiden Lane.
7: You looked bent when you walked in.
2: I took it out to this address, and I gave it to a dying woman. Now she's disappeared, and Hellman's after me for the dead guy on her floor. Oh, I need some help, Jocko. I gotta find a way out of this.
7: Well, you passed up a golden opportunity when that car hit you.
2: That's one of the places you come in. Now, here's the license. I want you to hop down and check the registration, will you?
7: What is? Find
2: out who runs that flower stand at the corner of Post and Kearney. Now, if you get back in time, I can check tonight. Tag by my place, I'll either be there or I'll leave a message.
7: Where are you going?
2: To find a woman. That
7: seems like a peculiar way to handle a crisis. Well, i got to find the gal that started me out on this. Patsy, I wish you'd forget about women. And I wish you'd forget about whiskey. Ah, yes, we both have our problems. Except I enjoy one safeguard that you don't. At least I can look at the label and tell how old it is. Good night, lover. <laughs>
2: I got out of there and I went by Noonan's place I asked him if he knew the girl in there last night he said after 45 a man forgets about a woman's face so I checked that lead off and started on the other girl I hit all the cab stands out near Clay Street and I finally found a hack that picked her up it was about 4 o'clock he said she had luggage and rode over to Janet Street on Telegraph Hill but he couldn't remember the address at the best rates in town so I checked off that one too from here on it was going to be a rough ride I didn't know where to dig I might as well have been out looking for a stick with one end. I'd like to try one more thing. I went by to search the Clay Street joint. It was a dirty room and the geranium hadn't helped. There was a sweet odor and a thick dusty cloud all over the place. It was like going to sleep in a bag of an old vacuum cleaner. There wasn't anything there that could help and on my way out I heard footsteps. I snapped off the light and waited. The door opened slowly. I couldn't see her face, but I knew it was the girl from Newlands. (laughs) Turn on the light and you'll see your friends.
3: Well, Mr. Novak.
2: Sit down. Let's talk.
3: In here? Why don't we drop by a gymnasium and get some fresh air?
2: We can start with your name.
3: It's easy. Say your piece, Mr. Novak. I've run out of $50 bills.
2: Yeah. That's the way it is with my patients. Who killed the guy?
3: I don't know, Patsy. I can narrow it down to one county for you, but after that you'll have to do your own sorting.
2: The police think I did it.
3: Maybe you did. You look big enough to carry the load. I don't care, Patsy. I'm not going to weep. I've got about three tears left, and he isn't high enough on the list to rate one.
2: Who was he? And how'd you find out he was dead?
3: There's generally a dirty rim in the washbowl. His name was Charles Dowd. Don't worry about him. It was a small-time guy who set the fast music.
2: Well, I'm going to worry about him because Homicide's worried about him.
3: Then worry in a calm way, Patsy. If you do it that way, I'll
2: help Sit down. (laughs) Now, look, lady. You better help out or I'll lose your teeth for you.
3: Mm, Patsy, you're tough. And everything, I
2: guess. Who runs that flower stand?
3: It wouldn't help. When he gave you that uranium, there was nothing wrong.
2: For 50 bucks, there had to be something wrong.
3: It wasn't full of poison. I know it was in there, and it wasn't poison. Somebody made a switch up here.
2: What happened to the girl?
3: I don't know. Relax. You're going to use up all that nice energy.
2: Look, sis, you can haul in those long legs and give me some answers.
3: I'm going to haul them in long enough to ask a few questions. My turn now, Patsy. Back over toward the door. You can talk on your way.
2: You look good with a gun.
3: You made a deal with George. I want to hear about it, Novak.
2: I don't even know George. If he's got a part, you just dealt him in.
3: I'm too old for fairy tales, Patsy. George got to you and found out about that geranium box. It couldn't have happened any other way. Sorry, lady. Remember, you're nothing to me, Novak. You're 50 bucks worth of muscle. You're 50 bucks, and I'll spend you fast. Go
2: so easy. You're gonna break open a seam. I don't know your boy, George, and I can forget you, too.
3: You can do it while you're talking. I came a long way, Patsy. Too far to toss it over for a mail or a bum. You're just a passing pair of pants to me, and I'll throw you away faster than a wad of gum.
2: Now's your chance, baby. Come on. <coughs> My Relax, you're not gonna have one in a minute. Come on, drop it. Now, reach down for that gun and I'll jam you in the basement faster than a ton of coal. All right. Now, let's hear you talk.
3: I would, Patsy, but you're not listening.
2: That's what happens when you don't watch the door. Somebody falls in love with the back of your head. I didn't even have a chance to see who hit me. I don't know what good it would have done unless you're the kind of a guy who keeps a scrapbook on those things. When I woke up, I had company. He was taking a nap, too, only his was going to last longer. It was the little guy with the cane. He tailed me right to the end. He was lying there with his mouth open and a bunch of pink gum showing as if he was trying to pick up a few bucks with a toothpaste ad. I was still groggy, and I couldn't see around the room, but I could hear a slow, steady, squeaking sound. I turned my head, and Hellman was sitting in a rocking chair. He looked as happy as a choir boy on Christmas Eve.
5: You have a good sleep, Milvank?
2: Oh, why don't they move the morgue down here?
5: Yeah, I guess you ran out of poison.
2: Why don't you go away, Hellman? Home, maybe, huh? I don't owe your wife anything, so I'll wish that. Who's the guy? I don't know.
5: He looked chummy when I got here. I don't know,
2: Hellman. He followed me all over Post Street this afternoon. Check him yourself.
5: I did. There's nothing on him.
2: I'll bet his gold fillings are gone now.
5: Your trial run was a guy named Charles Dowd. I know. He was arrested in
2: 1942 on suspicion of espionage. He's in business again. A whole bunch of them are, and the kicker has something to do with that geranium plant. What bunch? These dead guys and a lot of others on the same schedule. It's that geranium plant. It all started at Post and Kearney. You better check that florist stand.
5: Don't you ever get tired, Novak. Huh? We checked the florist stand at Post and Kearney. The answer is no. Did you talk to the guy? No, because there is no florist stand at Post and Kearney. You're
2: crazy, Hellman. I got a geranium plant there this afternoon.
5: There's no florist stand at Post and Kearney. If you got a geranium... it was grown out of a crack in the sidewalk.
2: I left Hellman standing there over the dead man. The little guy was looking up at Hellman with a dull, bored look, like an usher in a burlesque house. I was sure now there was something about that uranium I'd missed. If I could find the string and pull it, the whole thing would unravel. The questions were piling up and there was only one answer. Who got to that box and made a switch? Well, it was close to 11 when I got back to my apartment. Jocko was in the kitchen working on an experiment.
7: Ah, Patsy, I'm drinking to your memory. I'm making up for cheap booze with extra sentiment. What'd you find out? You were mixed up. There is no flower stand at Kearney and Post. Now, look, I've been through all that once. It was Post and Kearney. I couldn't have made a mistake. Oh, anybody can confuse a street. It can be done easily. I once confused two whole suburbs. Yeah, all right. I boycotted a bar in Alameda for months before I found out they gave me the Mickey in San Carlos. Now, look, I know what I did, Jocko.
2: Maybe the flower stand moved. Maybe it was never there before, but today it was at Post and Kearney. How about that license number?
7: The car is registered in the name of George Langley.
2: Who's he? He rented the murdered Roman. He's mixed up in a switch on that uranium plant. What kind of switch? I don't know. But whatever it was, George did it. When it left that stand, there was something else in it besides a poison needle. Everybody knew it. The girl and the little guy with the cane, probably the guy that drove that car.
7: They switched plants?
2: No, they changed... Yeah. Yeah, I guess he could have done that too, huh?
7: Was the man with the cane behind you when you got hit by the car?
2: Yeah, I think you're right, Jocko. Uh,
7: he wasn't trying to kill you. In the confusion, the man with the cane switched plants on you. Oh,
2: Jocko, you're an angel. I'm going to do something for you someday.
7: You already have. I charged this bottle of whiskey to you.
2: Yeah, back talking.
7: I got news for you.
2: Mine's good, too. That poison needle plant was engineered by the little guy with the cane.
5: We identified him. His fingerprints match an espionage agent called George Langley.
2: Well, he was due any minute
0: nothing else on him except he lived in a place up on Janet Street.
2: So it happened that way. Uh Huh? That's where the other geranium is, Hellman. You better get up there before they ring down the curtain. That other plant's going to draw all the boys and girls. What does that prove? Nothing, except you haven't got any business bothering a flower unless you're a bee. Well, you never know how the cards are going to fall, but when it's a wild game like Red Dog, whichever way they fall, it's going to hurt. And the last card's the one that breaks your back. So when Hellman hung up, I grabbed the cab and rushed out to Janet Street. It's a little short street draped down the side of Telegraph Hill like a torn ribbon. When Hellman pulled up at the top of the hill, I met him and we started down to George Langley's address. Hellman opened the front door and as we started into the bedroom, we ran into a traffic jam. I'm sorry. Hello, Evie. This is Hellman from Homicide.
3: I don't have time now, Patrick.
4: That's
2: all you got, baby. Grab her bag there, Hellman.
3: Pathy, you're crazy.
4: Open her
2: bag, Hellman. That's what they're all after. There's the geranium over by the window. Let's have
4: the bag, lady. You're all too grabby. I'll take it. Come on, Evie. Who's this guy?
2: A pixie, Hellman. He's the guy that sold me the flour down at Post and Kearney.
4: I'm sorry you got mixed up, Novak, but I'm short sure on regrets tonight. Give me the bag,
2: Evie. Go easy. We're going to get in
3: too deep.
4: You're in up to your nostrils now, baby. The bag. I want that piece of paper. You don't need a gun, Gerard. That's up to you, Evie. You double crossed me, and I'm too old for a new set of tricks.
3: That's the way it had to be, Gerard. You can see that. When George cut in, there was nothing else to do. It was high man in, low man out. You're out, then. I want the bag. Stay away from me, Jerry. Give
4: me time. I'll get far away.
3: I'm going to hang on to it. Stay away, Jerry.
4: I hear you, but that's all, baby.
3: Give me a hand, Patsy.
2: You're going to need more than that, Angel.
3: Help me to the couch.
2: Sure, come on. There you are.
3: Thanks, Patsy. You didn't owe me that.
2: I can't take it back now.
3: How's Gerard?
2: He bleeds big. I wasn't so tired to laugh and laugh. No, I wouldn't do that, Angel. You're going to be there in time to hear the echo. What's in the bag?
3: A formula. What other thing, Pat.
2: Yeah?
3: One other thing.
5: What'd she take?
2: I don't know, Helman. She took it with her. Where does that leave us? Short one girl. She's in the apartment or on her way up.
6: Don't look too hard, Mr. Novak.
2: How many more are there? She's the big act. How do your friends look, sweetheart?
6: They look the way they should.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: Oh. They watched me get sick. They didn't do anything about it. They sat around waiting for the last ounce of blood to dry up.
2: You better go with Hellman.
6: Please take me while you have a chance. Take me. To...
2: No. no. Yeah, you're more than ready. I really think they look wonderful. They let me work for years.
0: They let me get this way. And then they sit around to listen to my heartbreak.
2: Well, I don't know why, but Hellman was confused He finally got the story off the girl in a hospital bed all five of them had worked together once, gathering government information, but when the big order came, Doublecross set in like an epidemic. They were out after a formula. The dying girl had one half, and the other half was in that geranium plant. It came off the boat and went to that phony flower stand. Evie and Gerard were afraid to deliver it themselves, so they hired me to do it. The sick girl was in on another frame. She tipped off Langley, and he worked that hit-and-run with Dowd, only he forgot to tell Dowd about the poison needle. When Dowd was dead, the girl checked out for Langley's place. Between them, they had the formula, but they got into beef, so she killed him. She came back to plant a phony lead for Evie, and that's how I got sapped. Evie tumbled and headed for Langley's place. When she left, the girl planted Langley next to me in that room and then went back to watch Evie and Gerard in that overtime match. I guess she was too sick to care one way or the other. Well, Hellman asked only one question How come five such bad people ever got together in one shuffle? I don't know except most people are full of a lot of good and a lot of bad the day we met them all the bad was showing <laughs> forces radio service has just brought you Pat Novak for Hire starring Jack Webb Pat Novak is produced by William P. Russo. Jocko Madigan is played by Tudor Owen. Inspector Hellman is played by Raymond Burr. Music was composed and conducted by Basil Adlum. Be with us again next week when over most of these same stations we'll bring you Pat Novak for Hire. This
4: is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service the voice of information and education.
1: Welcome back. Well, in some ways, this episode marks a bit of a new low for uh, Pat Novak uh because he just in this episode he was knocked out by a half dead uh, woman um in the throes of what sounds to be a very terrible bout um of of pneumonia uh but that that didn't stop her from getting the jump on uh Pat Novak of course this was the first episode we've heard with a spies element uh, but it's one we're going to hear, I think, throughout the rest of the series. Um, it really it, it does add a little extra level of uh, of danger or importance to the adventure. So, all right, well, that's another great episode of Pat Novak in the books. We will be back uh, next week with another edition of Pat Novak for Hire. But don't forget to download tomorrow's episode. Tomorrow we're, we're going to sit back, relax, and let George do it. You got any comments? Send them to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Please cast your vote for the show over at podcastalley.greatdetectives.net. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.
2: Hello, everyone. My name is Andrew Ryan, I'm the host of the Old Time Radio Daily Westerns. I'm inviting you to check out my podcast. It's a daily show about Old Time Radio Westerns, which include The Lone Ranger, Cisco Kid, Tales of the Texas Ranger, Gunsmoke, Challenge of the Yukon, and many more. Uh, go to our show notes site, OTRWesterns.com. That's O-T-R Westerns with an S.com or search in iTunes for Old Time Radio Daily Westerns. Thanks, and hope you
0: enjoy.